Welcome to the Viva Young Adults podcast. We're the Young Adults Ministry of Viva Church, and we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Whether you're already a part of YA or a guest with us today, we hope that what's shared encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Wow, I just wanted to uh, keep worshiping. My goodness. You know, um, one of the, 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 the stud muffin will wait. I've never been called a stud muffin from a male before. I think my wife has alluded to the fact that I'm that, but thank you so much for seeing that in me. I really appreciate that. That's so good. Um, You know, the one thing that we've got to be uh, so acutely aware of is the presence of God. Um, We so often in our spheres or in churches like ours, we, I say this often, we treat the precious as common. Like the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords showed up. It's not just like your friend showed up. The creator of heaven and earth showed up, and he wanted to meet with you. He he wanted to, or wants to, but wanted to come and touch you and encourage you and speak to you and strengthen you and fill you with peace and hope and life. And remind you who he is and remind you who you are. And it's in those times that we've just got to be just very mindful of the fact that God wants to meet with us. We live in such a noisy world. And we've been raised as a generation to to just allow our appetite to be noisy with our technology, with social media, with our music. And and it's so hard sometimes just to like push it aside and let him speak to us. And one of the things that I see happening right now in this world is there is a significant assault upon your generation and those even coming up behind you. And there's two significant struggles that I'm seeing taking place in this room probably is filled with people that struggle in one of these two areas. One is your identity. It's interesting to me that what we're seeing right now when it comes to gender confusion, gender dysphoria, we've reduced it in the natural plane as if someone's struggling with a sexual orientation, whether I'm a guy or a girl or 64 other options. When in reality, it's the enemy robbing from a generation their identity of who they actually are in Christ. It's the last frontier. If the enemy can just rob people of their identity, as people created in the image of God, he's done his job. He's robbed a generation. And so one of the things, again, that we struggle with, and it may not be gender confusion for you, it just might be just like 
who am I? Like, why am I here, right? And we struggle with this idea of identity, like who we are in Christ, new creations and ambassadors. But the second part that oftentimes we struggle with is not just who we are, but why we're here. It's interesting to me to see that when it comes to the enemy's assault in this current day, he's after your identity and he's after your purpose. And if he can just, I say it this way, if he can't destroy you, if he can just distract you, he's done his job. And then if he can't make you bad, he'll just make you busy. Because he just wants you to not know who you are or where you're going. And I take a look at what's happening in the world today. And one of the things that's very, very important for us to understand when we open up the word of God is is that it seemed like when revolutions started throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, it started with young people. I was just sitting in my room uh, right before I came and just began to look at some of these things. Just when you think about significant movements that happened, you think about Solomon. He was 19 or 20 when he became king. King Josiah became king at eight, by the way, but it was the early 20s, your age, where he began to tear down all of the altars and idols and rebuild the temple and transform the entire nation. David, a young man that took out Goliath, all of the 40 to 80-year-olds couldn't do anything. And here's a 17, 18-year-old man that took down, take down Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, age 14, 16, and 17, meaning you're already outdated. <laughs> the disciples, it's interesting. They were all 17 to 24 years old. You think about Jeremiah when he started prophesying to the nations. He was 17. You think about Ruth. She was in her early 20s. Rahab, early 20s. What about just, let's just go to the idea. How about Mary, teen mom? And and then let's not forget about one other figure. His name was Jesus. Like he started preaching when he was 12. He had a little advantage on us in that he was God in the flesh. (laughs) But you can see he was, he finished and completed everything that he was called to complete by the time he was 33. Then I think about the days in which we live now. And if you look just over the last recent years, you go back to the 70s with the Jesus movement. And here was a bunch of, 18 to 25-year-olds that transform the world as we know it. People just like you that were in a meeting just like this and didn't just accept the presence, but as Pastor Phil said, actually did something about it. Walked out of the room and started to tell people about Jesus, and it flipped, especially the nation, upside down. Think of Evan Roberts. You think of the Wales revival. Here's a guy in his early 20s that started a worldwide revival. I recently just heard a story about two 10-year-old boys in China that actually were in a meeting like this 
And they actually thought that what was being preached was actually true and decided to go out of the building. They led 10,000 people to Christ in 10 days. And then they decided, hey, they should be baptized. We forgot about that. And they baptized 3,000 of them in the following 10 days. Like these aren't like 35-year-old pastors with degrees that went through PBC. Like like these are 10-year-olds. And so the enemy comes and what he wants to do is he wants to rob you. He, He just wants you to think about the now, the instant. He wants you just to pick up your phone and scroll for hours. He wants you to go on Netflix binges. He's just trying to do something to get you to occupy your mind that you don't think about who you are and why you're here. And I believe that there's an urgent cry in the heart of God. I do believe that we are right on the heels of one of the greatest awakenings in history. 92,600,000 people will give their life to Christ this year. 35,000 a day in China, 30,000 a day in Russia, 20,000 a day in India, 15,000 a week in India that are happening through signs and wonders where arms are growing back on people's bodies that had been missing. Like, it's It's happening. And what he wants, he just wants you to be preoccupied. He just wants you to be busy. He wants you thinking about yourself. And in this urgent cry, I believe that God's speaking to his people. And it's what I want to talk about tonight is how are we led? As Pastor Phil talked about us being filled with the presence, that's awesome. And then we're supposed to go out and you get to the top of the stairs and you just go, okay, like, Where, how, who, what? And we find ourselves at a stalemate with ourselves in that like, I wish I could just hear his voice telling me what I'm supposed to do. And so the big idea of my message tonight is this whole idea is that God desires to speak to me so that I might fulfill my pur- his purposes in my life. Like if that's all we get out is that God desires to speak to you so that you might fulfill the purposes in your life. And it's evident when you look in Scripture that God wants to speak to us. In fact, I'll say this. He speaks to you all day long. You just may not know it. It's interesting from Genesis in the garden when they messed up a little bit where God is speaking, where are you? All the way to Revelation 22, come quickly, and everywhere in between, we see God speaking to his people. He wants to guide us and he wants to direct us. You get somewhere between 40,000 to to 70,000 thoughts a day. And we better understand which ones are God, which ones are ourself, which ones are the devil, and which ones of them are your pizza. Like, you you better have an idea of what those voices are because it only takes one wrong thought out of the 70,000 to derail your life. Just one time with that 
girl or guy in a room, one thought, one time in your life's room. Like, it's important for us to understand that we hear his voice. And I want to look at a story tonight. And I want to talk about, again, Jesus with his disciples. Like, his whole ministry and time on earth, he was trying to get these 12 knuckleheads to just understand who they were and why they were, th why they were there. And we find another account with him. He's just leaving Jericho. There was this monster revival that's taking place, and he's on his way out of town. And we pick up a story as he's leaving Jericho. He went in and he went out, and there's a big party that happened in between. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And I want to take this story and unpack it and talk about how do I hear the voice of God? How am I led? How do I know when I wake up that I'm fulfilling his purposes every day? It's my prayer every morning. God, put people in my path. God, speak to me today. God, let me not waste a minute. Let my day be purposeful. I'll put my head on my pillow when I go into my room tonight, and I'm going to lay my head on my pillow, and I'm going to ask the Lord, did I accomplish things of eternal significance today? It says, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, like, have mercy on me. I mean, this guy's desperate. Listen, and many rebuked him. Wow. Telling him to be silent. It's like, shut up. But he cried out all the more. Son of David! Like, like, come on, me! Like he's screaming. It says, and then Jesus stopped and called him. And they called the blind man saying, I love this. Like, shut up. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, come here. And he goes, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Hey, come here, right? Like, they all of a sudden acting like they're part of the plan, right? And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up, came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Like he could have asked anything. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Jesus tonight, Lord, we come to open our ears to hear what you're saying. God, 12 times in the New Testament, you said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so, Lord, we open our ears. God, we give you total permission to challenge us, encourage us, wreck us, whatever it takes to get our attention, to help us understand, Lord, our identity, to help us understand our purpose. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. amen. 
You know, years ago, we were involved in this march. It was called a March for Jesus or the March for Jesus. You may not remember these. You probably weren't born then, but there was this time throughout the world where Christians would get together and they would sing songs and march through the streets. It was called March for Jesus. This one year in particular, the theme of this March for Jesus was Shine, Jesus, Shine. Remember the song? Maybe you sung it when, maybe your parents sung it, I should say. Shine, Jesus, shine, right? Right? Great song. Let our hearts Right? And so this was the theme. I was living in Lake Tahoe. You still want to keep singing it. We can, you want to do a couple more choruses? She goes, heck yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> I was living in Lake Tahoe, and there was a march for Jesus in a place called Reno, Nevada. I call it Drano, Nevada, because that's where all the sin was and prostitution and casinos and all that stuff. And so we go down to do a march for Jesus. We show up, and there's over 10,000 Christians that are going to march and celebrate the name of Jesus through the streets of Reno or Drano, Nevada. And so we get everybody together, and there's music, big trucks with speakers and banners and flags and kids and dancing, and the music rah, starts up, and all of the Christians start singing, shine, Jesus, shine, and they're walking. The streets are lined with people. Maybe a little bit like this story. People needing Jesus. People wondering what's going on. But we as Christians were so caught up in just singing our song, we're walking by tens of thousands of people that potentially were on their way to hell. And so we're singing and we've got our banners and we come around the corner and we go right down now downtown by the casinos. And as we're going, there's a man on the street corner. Later on, I would find out that he's a Shoshone Indian. And as I'm walking by, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. We're talking about hearing now. And there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of songs, celebration, crowds, kids jumping. And in the midst of all of the noise, there's this small, subtle whisper. Go tell him. This is what he said. Tell him I'm trying to get his attention. That's all that I got. I don't know what it meant. I don't know why he gave it to me in the midst of 10,000 people that are marching but he put a word on me in the midst of 10,000 other people on the streets for this one man. And I ran up to him and said, hey, buddy, how you doing? You enjoying the party? He's kind of looking at me. I can tell he's a little bit drunk. I said, my name's Mark. And I said, I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to me to tell you God's trying to get your attention. He looks at me, he goes, I got my own gods, leave me alone. I said, no, there's only one God. And he's trying to get your attention. And he says, get out of my face for I punch you. So I took off running. 
I might be faith-filled, but I'm thinking I like my face, right? Even if I am a stud muffin. And so... So we get down to the, to the very end of this parade and there is an amphitheater and we're going to have a worship time now. And the band's playing and everybody's marching up and we're towards the end and as we're worshiping, I turn around and the very end of the parade or the crowd is coming and that the very end of the people is an is a, a old Ford truck with monster speakers and it's just screaming music through these Altec Lansing speakers. And 50 feet behind that truck was this Shoshone Indian, all by himself, hands in the air, sobbing, Shine, Jesus, shine. And he's walking all by himself. As soon as he comes into the crowd, he's looking all around. And all of a sudden, he catches my, my eyes and he goes running for me. And I'm ready, like, 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 What's going to happen? He runs straight towards me, falls on his face on the pavement at my feet, and leads himself to Christ. Like I'm going, my wife, it's like, this is cool. Like, I don't even got to pray with the guy. He says, Jesus, please forgive me, Jesus. I'm so sorry. I've just denied you all my life. And he's just sobbing, crying. Going, this is cool. I asked him. I said, what happened? Like, like you wanted to punch me, and now you're here. Like, he says, I need to tell you. He says, I served in Vietnam. And I was deployed and went in. And there was one day when we went into this village to try to attack some of the North Vietnamese, I stepped on a landmine. He says, it literally... Felt like it blew me to pieces. He lifted up his shirt. He goes, see? I'm just going, bro, like, good, okay. He says, as they put me on a gurney to take me to the helicopter, I didn't think I was going to make it. I was slipping in and out of consciousness. And there was this young medic rolling, running alongside, trying to stick an IV in my arm. And he kept saying to me, sir, sir. God's trying to get your attention. And he made a promise. God, if I make it through this, I'll serve you all the days of my life. He slipped out of consciousness and he said, I forgot about the promise till you saw me on the street corner and you said, sir, God's trying to get your attention. And I flashed back and I realized that God wasn't done with me yet. This story is so similar. A bunch of people following Jesus, excited about the service. I won't say some young people on Sunday night at Viva excited about the service, but you can fill in the blanks. And they just missed it. And so we pick up in this story and we find like there's two ways that you can respond to these kinds of situations. This morning we talked about being go people or no people. It's like 
This is similar in the sense that the disciples' response, the guy screams. Your generation's screaming right now. Like, How do we respond to someone that calls themselves a shim or a herm? In Portland, we have litter boxes for the young people, so when they leave the classroom at high school because they identify as a cat, they can pee in the, in the box. Like, like, and what we want to say is, shut up. Get a life. The disciples, listen to me, they heard, but they didn't hear. See, you're hearing something right now, all around you. The noise, the division, the racism, the immorality. Sex is okay outside of marriage. Pornography's okay. You're hearing, but you're not hearing. You're hearing something in the natural, in the carnal, in the temporal, which caused a wrong response. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up. And it's interesting because Jesus immediately, again, this really was about blind Bartimaeus, but really it was a bigger lesson for his disciples and for us to be recorded. And what we find with Jesus, it says when Jesus heard him, he stopped. Like I call it this. It was the shout that stopped God. And when Jesus heard it, mind above, he said, bring him to me. And, and what this shows us is that there's really two ways that you can hear. You can hear through the natural you can hear through the ears of the crowd, through your generation, through your social media, through what everybody's saying, what everybody's singing. Go Taylor Swift. I mean, like, or, is that for her? Okay. This, I was just going to go with it. I was going to try to pull out a song or something, but, you know. Or you can hear through the ears of the Spirit. You can hear in the natural, or you can hear in the spiritual. Jesus didn't allow his circumstances to dictate his destiny. He took his destiny to dictate and form his circumstance. He changed stuff in front of him because he was led by the Spirit. And so when we talk about this idea of the ear, and I think this is really important, if I could just teach a little bit here. Like the ear through the natural perspective, this thing that's on the side of our ear, it's, it's simply, this is what, what um, Webster says, it's a physical organ, the chief instrument by which a man receives sound from external sources. So if I was to go, some of you are probably sleeping and wondering, and it woke you up. You, you heard something in the natural, and it, it caused a response. It caused a reaction. 
Listen, there's a parallel to this. Because as God speaks, it should create a response or a reaction. It should create attention, movement, discernment. And so when you think about the definition of a spiritual ear, and this, this is what Vine's dictionary would say, it would say, it's the faculty of perceiving with the mind, understanding and knowing, and then obeying. Receive, excuse me, receive, discern, respond. Oh my, receive, discern, respond. Oh my, kind of like lions. You are so stinking sharp. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But it's something we should remember. Receive, discern, respond. It's interesting because the word hearing in the New Testament, the word hearing is synonymous with obeying. You hear, you discern, and you obey. And what happens is that you have to remove what's called filters of natural influence. If we're not careful, we're going to allow the boo to dictate how we think. There's, there's natural things that happen around you that can trick your ability to hear in the spirit. There's what would be called um, natural things like your five senses, what you see, hear, taste, feel, and smell, right? Those are things that may dictate what you're hearing. You think about your surroundings, your environment, a climate, the culture, where you're at. Like you're in a library. And you're told in libraries, you're supposed to be really quiet. No one talks to you. People are studying. But all of a sudden, God speaks to you. And he says, get up on your chair and start shouting and telling everybody that Jesus loves them. What do you do? The library, the natural's telling you, shh, the Holy Spirit's saying, hallelujah, right? What are you going to do? If you're not careful, you'll allow your natural circumstances to dictate what the Spirit's saying. I think of your emotions. All of a sudden, God tells you to do something, and it's fear, anxiety, insecurity. Oh, my gosh, God told me to stand up on my chair and, And then you allow your emotions to cause you to not hear. You think about your thoughts, analyzing, trying to be logical, procrastinating. And then your preconceived ideas, past experiences, learned behaviors. Like blowing on people work for Benny Hinn, it may not work for you. I don't even know if it works for him. You know, I mentioned that I, um, my wife and I adopted these two very beautiful young boys, Spanish-Indian boys. Mom and dad were mentally retarded, homeless drug addicts. They were number 14 and 15 of the bunch of kids, and we had a heart to adopt them. And uh, it's been a, a real joy raising these boys. It's also been a real challenge. Kyle, um, our youngest, I'd love to tell you Kyle stories. I'll tell you one. 
On this one night in particular, we were trying to put him to bed. He was around eight or nine years old, and he just had a hundred reasons why he needed to come up to the bedroom. Dad, 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 dad. I'd go up, water, dad, dad, pee, dad, dad. And finally, I was just done. Like, and all of a sudden, he starts crying. And I'm going to ignore him because he's crying. My wife Susan says to me, she goes, I don't know if that's a mad cry. She says, I think that's a sad cry. You should go check it out. I'm thinking, okay, one more time up the stairs. <laughs> I walk up the stairs. He's sitting on his bed, and he's covered in a pool of blood. There is literally dark blood pouring out, not just drooling, pouring out. His entire shirt, pants, bed is wet. And every time he cries, it's literally like a river of blood coming out of his mouth. And he was playing with a Lincoln log. And he fell on the floor, and the Lincoln log punctured a hole in the back of his throat. And he's bleeding to death. So I grab my son, obviously, Kaiser's about seven, eight minutes away. I got to get him to the hospital. I'm covered in blood. Like, I pick him up. It's all over me. He's bleeding. It's all over my car. I'm running into the hospital. It's going everywhere. The nurse sees me. They fly the door open, and I'm running with Kyle, like, like trying to save my boy's life. And the nurse is running with me. Doctors are before me. And as I'm running, I turn my head, and there's this, this patient in this little stall or this little room in emergency room and it's open about this much and there's people crying in there and the Lord says this to me go pray for them I'm thinking like what in the heck are you thinking about God like this is my son like I know that you're God and maybe you need some help figuring out but I'm sticking with my son he's bleeding like every one of these natural things, my senses, my surroundings, my emotions, my thoughts, my preconceived ideas, they were all off the radar. And I set Kyle down on the gurney, nurses there, doctors there, and I go, like I've done this long enough to know, okay, I gotta go there. As they're working on Kyle, I walk back and I pull open the cur curtain and here is this guy screaming, family around. He had just been ran over by a car. Now, I forget that I'm covered head to toe in blood. And I walk kind of like, ooh, you know, it's just like, and, and I walk in and I just said, I said, <laughs> like, I've just learned this. Usually when God speaks, just stick with what he told you. Like, don't be logical. I just go, you know, as I was walking by, I said, I felt like God wanted me to come and pray for you. The guy's, oh, oh, and so I lay my hands on his chest, and I just pray, peace of God come, heal this man, touch this man. And he's, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and when I open my eyes, they're all staring at me. And the lady says to me, who are you? I don't know why I said this. This is what I said. I'm an angel. 
Like, 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 where did that come from? She went like this. She turned her head, and I realized, like, I lost this divine appointment, man. And, so, and I, I move the curtain, and I start walking back to Kyle, and the Holy Spirit says this to me. says, it doesn't matter who you were. It was about me. I bring that up because as I think about removing filters of natural influences, listen, God will speak to you when you least expect it, when you least want to hear from him. You're late for work, and he says to stop, to make a call. When you're broke, to give your last little bit of money. Like when you, when you least expect it, the enemy will do everything that he can to get you to lean on your natural ear and not your spiritual, to where you say to God, not just to the crowd, be quiet. And so I want to look at these three. I want to talk about receive, discern, and respond. These are the three things that we see in this story. And as we go back to this story, we find out that Jesus sees this man sees the situation, and this first ingredient that we're talking about, being willing, willing to receive is leading. It says, so Jesus stood still. He just stopped. There's crowds, there's noise, there's all of these natural things going on, and he just, it says he stood still. And he models something to us. He models to us that there's a posture that you have to live, a mindset, a perspective, an emotional framework that needs to be in place if you're going to be able to hear from him. And I won't get the opportunity to unpack all of these, but I'm going to do them fairly quick. I think they'll be on the screen is when I think about the things that we need to do, is the first thing is that you have to have an insatiable desire to be used by the Father. It starts with this idea, God, use me. Like if you've already predetermined in your mind that you don't want to be used, he'll just find someone else. And here's a newsflash. He doesn't care about your ability. He cares about your availability. He just wants you to be willing to be used. The second thing is that you have to live a life of wholehearted devotion, no compromise. Like it's really important to live a holy, pure life. Like one of the greatest things that happens when revivals happen, usually there's prayer and holiness that precede a revival. It's the lack of prayer and holiness that stop it. You must be willing to adjust your agenda to meet the needs of others. Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You must not care whatever, what others think about your radical acts or statements. It just doesn't matter what other people are thinking. 
I'd say I'd rather offend man than offend God. There's this place right by my house, this little coffee bistro place, and I go in there every day. One day I walk in and there's a man, there's these chairs where you walk in and then you turn and you walk to stand in line to this counter where you get your coffee and your pastries. They had the killer raspberry scones. And one day I walk in and there is a guy sitting here with a guy that's extremely delayed. He has a helmet on, he's drooling, he's... He's making lots of noise. And I obviously have developmentally disabled boys, and I'm, you know, sensitive to the fact that in this cage is a person created in the image of God. And the Lord just asked me to go sit down next to him. And I sit down next to him. I said, hey, buddy. I said, my name's Mark, and I just want to pray for you. And I started praying for him. The more I prayed, the louder he got. Lord, come and bless this man. Yay! Lord, I just pray you speak to him. Yay! And the more I pray, fine. Yay! And he's screaming. And the Lord just says, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. I get done. There's no one in the coffee place. Like the lady behind that counter is ticked off because like everybody left. And here I am with this man. Like I didn't care what anyone else thought. I went back a week later, and that man's sitting there again with his friend, and as soon as I walked in, as soon as he saw me, he goes, Yay! It was just like, he's, he was saying this to me. Thank you for making me feel valuable. Like, I remember you. The smile, and Yay! he just, like, was so excited to see me. I made a difference in his life. And you have to be able to not care what others think about your radical acts or statements. Like if you, everything in the Bible, God, it's just like Jesus. Like he walks up to someone and goes, wow, okay, turn your head. And he spits in the guy's ear. Like that's not logical. <laughs> Other guys, he goes, hey, what do you want me to do? He goes, I'm blind. So he, instead of just saying be healed, he gets in the mud loogie and he puts mud and loogie in the guy's eye and jesus then says go wash he goes of course i am you got a bunch of stuff in my eyes right you know but like it's like right like that's that's just not like proper that's not me that isn't what i think i stand for Come on, are you with me? Number five, you must expect to be used anytime, anywhere with anyone when you least expect it, expect it. God speaks at the most inconvenient time. We're in the middle of the Super Bowl. My phone rings. I shouldn't have answered it. It's a telemarketer call from Chicago. And as the game's going on and everybody's eating chili, the guy wants to sell something to me. And I just felt like saying this to him. Buddy, I'll tell you what. I'll listen to you two minutes if you'll let me talk for two minutes. He goes, you got a deal. He did his two minutes. I said, time's up. <laughs> I shared the gospel with him. 
He started weeping. How did you know? How did I get your number? Led the guy to Christ. Like, I, I, I could have been watching the game. It's a really good game. But I needed to expect to be used anytime, anywhere, with anyone. You must not be preoccupied with temporal things that could cloud your ability to hear. You must display prompt, implicit obedience to the voice of God. When he says, go, you go. When he says, pray, you pray. When he says, stop and put your bleeding son down, you stop and go pray. Like, you have to set this foundation in your life. And this is what it says. And then Jesus stood still. You have to posture yourself. God, I want to be used. I'm going to wake up this morning. God put people in my path. As I walk throughout the day, I'm always saying, Lord, this one? Lord, what about this one? I'm not saying it out loud, but I'm looking. God, what about that one? Do you have a word? I'm mindful. I'm still. I'm not letting the noise cloud my ability to hear. Here's the second thing. So we got to respond, discern, obey, right? So once we're in a posture where we respond, the second thing we need to do is discern his voice. And I love this as you go back to the story with Jesus and blind Bartimaeus. It says he stood still. It says, and then he commanded him to to come. He, He called him to come. The disciples want to push him away. He says, bring him to me. Listen, Jesus knew exactly what he needed at that moment. Everyone else was thinking differently. And we find with Jesus that he wants to do something just a little bit different. And I love the scripture in Hebrews where it says, spiritual maturity belongs to those who practice using their spiritual senses. Spiritual maturity belongs to those who practice using, who practice using, who practice using, who practice using their spiritual senses. Again, the Greek word there, gymnasu, gym, the one that goes to the gym that looks like you and me. <laughs> um, you practice using your spiritual senses. You don't use it, you lose it. We talked about that during the conference. And so here's what I found, and I I, I hope this is going to really help you. This is subjective in nature, but, but I feel that there's eight different ways where you can discern the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to surprise you when I read them because you'll say, oh my gosh, I feel that or sense that all the time. Rarely does God come and say, hey, Phil, I want you. It's, it's, there's other ways in which God expresses himself in the word, um, through others, through the spirit, through intuition. There's a variety of ways. But here are eight things that I have found that help me in discerning the voice of God. First of all is you have an inner voice, like this strong sense that God's speaking to you. I'm in worship before Seth even says something to me, and I can watch his countenance change. His eyes are closed, he's singing, and all of a sudden he stopped and he's still. And finally he leans over and says, man, I feel like God's speaking something to me. Talk to Phil. But there was this strong sense in the midst of what was happening that God was speaking. 
And it changed the atmosphere of the room. I remember hearing this story of a youth pastor and his wife that are in a service, large auditorium, big balcony. He's, he's standing there, she's standing there, and all of a sudden, his wife begins to feel very uncomfortable, leans over to her husband and says, you're not going to believe this, but I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to go up on the stage and do a cartwheel. Phil, you know, Frank comes and says, I'm going to go do a cartwheel. You're going to go, be quiet, shut up, sit down. That's dumb. And so he says, go talk, go talk to Pastor Frank. She goes over and says, hoping for sure that Pastor Frank's going to think that she's whacked. I feel like God wants me to do a cartwheel. He says, the stage is yours. Worship's going on, and all of a sudden, she gets up there and starts doing cartwheels across the stage. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Been in a lot of services. I've not seen that one. All of a sudden, there's a scream up in the balcony. Ah! Guy comes running down. Turns out he's an atheist. He had a friend that asked him to come to church and had been pestering him for years to come to church. And he says, I'll come one time. He's in the service. He leans over to his friend and he goes, this is a bunch of hogwash. He says, I'll prove it to you. If your God's real, someone will do a cartwheel right now. Pain, pain. Like, I call that a strong sense. Like, here, here's what I find out when God speaks to me. It's not usually, God, is this, God, is it you? God, is that really you speaking? It's like, it's usually, oh, my God, do I have to? <laughs> right? It's like, it's like, oh, my God, this is going to be crazy, you know? How about this one? You have an exceptionally clear thought. Like, it just comes. It's, it's a... I'll say it this way. A thought surfaces that you don't initiate. They're kind of two are tied together. A clear, exceptional thought. I flew in from a trip, and I'm walking through Portland Airport, and there's this guy dressed in cool Nike attire, and he's kind of dragging his leg, and the Lord tells me to go pray for him to be healed and to tell him that he will run again. So again, I don't even know who this guy is. I went over, and I prayed for him. The guy's name was Gus Anvala. Um, he was an Olympian who ran for United Emirates. This was the last time that he would run. And as I prayed for him, he goes, he was going to go down to Hayward Field. Is it Hayward Field? Down at, at University of Oregon. He was going down there, had pulled his hamstring, was going to be out for the Olympics. Totally bummed out. Here's this guy. I pray for the guy, and he goes, Oh, my God. He says, my leg doesn't hurt. I ended up driving him to the hotel, praying with him and all that stuff. Didn't know what happened. Fast forward two weeks, we're watching the opening ceremony for the Olympics. My wife and I are sitting there watching the ceremony. And they were running down this ramp into the stadium in 1996. They're running down this, this, this ramp. And all of a sudden, I see this guy 
with the flag for his country running and jumping down the ramp. Like, no one in the world, I was going, whoa, yeah, I did that. No, God, you did that, but I, man, wow, look at this guy. He's just jumping with his flag, and I'm just going, like, before the world. And it just started, like, tell him he's going to run again and pray for him to be healed. What's the worst that's going to happen? Hey, thanks for the prayer. How about this one? You have a distinct intuition, a strong feeling or impression. How about this one? You get a mental picture. There's over 200 examples in the Bible where people got a picture. You focus on one person in the crowd. Like there's thousands of people, but it's the one. It's the Shoshone Indian. There's 10,000 people, but it's that one. Something illuminated, something popped in my mind. People are drawn to you for no apparent reason. Like, do you have those people that just like, they just irritate you? They just, like, it's like, you just, like, I, like, they're a VDP, like, very draining person. Like, <laughs> like you just don't want them around. I was flying to Toronto years ago. I sit down, and this guy next to me, he starts ordering the little bottles of vodka. One, two, four. I don't know why they kept serving him. Uh, he's sorry, sorry, got real drunk. <laughs> and he's leaning over. We're in first class, got upgraded, didn't pay for the ticket. And he's, he's leaning over. He's going, hey, dude. <laughs> and he just wants to talk to me. I, I'm coming like to speak like like you're you're bothering my study time is what I'm thinking it's like hi like why are you going there man and he keeps talking and breathing on me and drinking and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says I want you to share the gospel with him and I said not this time <laughs> I'm just going to confess I said no <laughs> Proverbs 20 wine is a mocker strong drink is raging those that are drunk or unwise. Scripture, I'm not talking to you. We get off, and back then, I don't know if it's the case. I didn't see it this time. There used to be blue line and red line. And if you're going to be further integrated, uh, what's the word? You're going to be um, integrated? Interrogated. I've been talking a lot this weekend. Listen. I are a high school dropout. <laughs> I are. I are. You know what? I like my word better. I was going to be integrated. <laughs> Whatever that is, interrogated. And so I'm standing in line with my suitcase, long line, and all of a sudden I hear this. Hey, dude. It's this guy behind me. I'm thinking, oh, my God. And he's gone, man, I'm going to tell you how you could just lie your way through it. And he's just telling me how to lie. And I'm just going like, I don't want to have anything to do with this guy. <laughs> Speak. No, Lord. So long story longer, I, I get on the plane. I mean, I walk through, do the whole meetings. It's about a week later. 
I have the first flight out. It's a 6 a.m. flight. I'm wiped out, tired, melted. I finally get in my seat. I put a pillow up against my window, and I'm just about asleep, and I hear, hey, dude. <laughs> He's got the seat right next to me all the way back to Dallas, Texas. It's just like, okay, God, you win. <laughs> Man, I'm going to preach my guts out this time, right? You know, so anyways, I'm taking way too much time. I'm sorry. You meet someone's eyes and you feel a leading. Like, it's not like, <sighs> guys are going, yeah, I feel that every day, right? It's just like, man, I feel leaning all over this place tonight, you know? But it's just like, you just, you catch someone in a crowd and, and it's like, you sense, it's just like, there's something that God wants to do. I'd have a story for that, but don't have time. But here's where I want to land. You discern his voice. Excuse me, you position yourself, right? You want to receive a leading. You want to then discern his voice. And lastly is this, is that you want to respond to his request. And I love that the way this story ends because Jesus simply, after being still and commanded it, asked him what he wanted, prayed, the guy was healed. And once again, that, that word, respond, here, Jesus said this 12 times. I prayed it in the beginning. I wonder why Jesus prayed 12 times or said 12 times, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He who has an ear, who's able to hear in the Spirit what I'm saying, I want them to obey that they might do what? Unlock their identity of why they're here, who they are, and their purpose. I believe that that's the word that the Lord is speaking to us. And I'm going to finish with a story, and we're going to pray. I was commanded at lunch to tell lots of stories. So um, There was this 18-year-old Korean lady, very shy, quiet, college student, She's sitting in her room one morning, and she feels that the Lord asks her to grab her Bible to get up and to walk into the city. She doesn't know where she's going, what she's supposed to do. She simply hears, discerns, and responds. She starts walking down the road, and the Lord starts directing her, go down this alley, go up this stair. There's a door at the top of the stair on the back side of this particular apartment complex. He says, she said, uh, the Lord speaks and says, I want you to knock on the door. I want you to go in and read the Bible to the person in there and sing songs to him. How many would do that? Come on, it's like, oh yeah, of course, I'll go sing songs in stranger. So she walks up and she knocks on the door. There's no answer. She's standing there, she's shaking. Knocks again. Who is it? She goes, uh, I, 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 I'm a Christian. What do you want? Uh, God, 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 God told me to come and sing songs to you. Get out of here, you Christian dog. No. 
Opens the door. Walks in. Get out of here, you Christian dog. No, 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 I'm stronger than you. She sits down. He's laying in bed. Later would find out, not through her, but the story, as the guy tells it, he was dying of tuberculosis. She starts reading the Bible. He's all, ah, shut up, ah. And the Lord would say, and page after page, she would sing over him, page, sunrise to sunset. Not five minutes, 12 hours. She'd pick up her Bible, she would leave. Devotions the next morning. Go back and sing and pray again. Get out of here. <laughs> Walks in, sunrise to sunset, would sing. She would do this for seven days. Eighty-four hours of reading the Bible and praying to this man. And as she gets up, the last time that she would ever see him, she picks her Bible up. She's walking out, and he breaks. And he screams out and says, Why do you come to me, a dying man? And she said, Humanly, it wouldn't be possible. But as I've been reading... There's a God, Jesus, who lives in me that told me to come. She would walk out, never see him again. He would never see her again. Two days later, he would be well enough to walk down the stairs, and he wanted to find a missionary station or somewhere that talked about this Jesus. There's a man named Lewis Richardson there would ultimately lead him to Christ and begin to disciple him. That man would go on to build the largest church in the world. His name's Paul Youngie Cho. And I just think, this is like, someone just like you, an ordinary person, thinking, well, I'm kind of just average, shy, no fall amount to anything. God just whispers. She received. She discerned. She responded. I wonder what, I wonder what heaven will look like when she gets there. Like maybe she lived the rest of her life on average, but she's, she's going to walk in, gates are going to open up, wham. And there'll be hills of millions and millions of people that are there because she just chose to listen. And here's the bottom line, guys. I want to finish where I started. The enemy wants to rob you of who you are and why you're here. He wants to cloud your mind with just a bunch of noise so that you just won't hear his voice. And what God is saying, I placed you here in this hour, in this moment, 
because I want to speak to you. And I want to use you. And I want to do great things through your life. And I want you preaching to stadiums. And I want you reaching millions of people. Like, that's what God is all about in this hour. And my prayer for all of us tonight, including myself, is that we would just slow down long enough just to be still and say, God, speak to me. Shut off the noise. Spend time with him every morning. I spend two hours with him every morning, not because I think I'm holy, but because I know I'm not. Like if I just, if I just don't hear from him for today, I run the risk of missing being used by him. And so let me pray for you tonight. And, and I, just, I just want you to do this. And, and, you know, I, altar calls are, shouldn't be for the guy speaking to measure whether I had, they had an impact or not. Really, this is about you responding to him. And, and I, just, I just really want to challenge you that if, if you're in this place where you, you've just allowed the noise, the distractions to get in the way. And again, I, I don't need you to, to stand to make me feel good here. But I, I want you to make a serious choice right now. And, it, and if, if you can hear this, like, if you feel like you really want God to speak to you to do great things, I'm going to ask you to stand in a second. But I don't want you to stand if you're not going to back it up with obedience. It's better that you just think about it, pray, and not mock God by standing. Because I want to pray a bold prayer over you that God is going to speak, use, anoint, there's something happening in this part, this region of Canada. What would it look like if it just happened through you, through this church? God doesn't need distractions. He needs disciples. And so if you're here and you're just going, man, come on, Jesus, speak to me. God, use me. God, I want to lay my life down. I want to get rid of the distractions. Lust, greed, pride, whatever it is. And God, I want to present myself wholeheartedly unto you. It's your reasonable service. If that's you, I just want you to stand because I want to pray for you tonight. What a holy moment. I want you just to lift your hands towards heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I probably need your help, Kevin. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we, we do lift our hands right now in this holy Lord, is a sign of surrender. 
Lord, we know if an officer was to put a gun in our back, we would lift our hands because we were surrendering to the authority behind us. So our hands go up because we're surrendering our lives, our will, our way, our desires, our personal ambitions and dreams, our shortcomings, our hang-ups, our habits. Lord, we just push them all at your feet. And we say, like Isaiah the prophet, Lord, hear my Send me, Lord, use me, speak to me. Lord, let us be like Samuel of old, 1 Samuel 3. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Lord, let us hear your voice. Lord, let us discern what you're asking us to do. Help us respond. And Lord, let the end result be Lord, that this region and that lives are transformed in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe that we weren't meant to do life alone, so feel free to reach out by following and DMing us at UV Young Adults. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone you know.